This is a podcast from Minute Media. Live Golf is a sideshow. As is the case with all sideshows, it's meant as a distraction. This plucky upstart league backed by the Saudi government aims to distract people's attention away from the PGA tour and distract their attention away from a human rights record forced to take more than a few penalty strokes. It is such a specifically interesting development because the threat to golf as we know it seems both very real and cartoonishly non-threatening on paper. One can understand how the status quo will be completely upset if legions of pros follow the path blazed by Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, and others, holding their nose to receive a big, fat payday. But in practice, what does this really look like? Is Live Golf a monumental moment in sports history that will change everything, or a punchline and helpful identifier for the worst people in professional golf destined for spectacular failure? Let's focus on trying to answer that question instead of infighting and arguing over the comparative virtues of government X versus government Y and the differences between individual and collective complicity in truly regrettable stuff, just because the bottom line dictates setting aside those pesky morals. Any debate or discussion leaves minds and pretzels and can bring a person into contact with online strangest creature, a person who will criticize both Republican and Democratic politicians alike for cavorting with unseemly types, but happily bootlick for millionaire golfers to do the exact same thing. May I suggest a compromise? One so simple that it just may work? Go ahead and defend this league. Go ahead and claim it spells doom for the PGA. Go ahead and call those who are firing jokes off Luddites. If you are excited about Live Golf, then prove it. Watch Live Golf. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that you won't. That no one will. That this whole enterprise will barely spark before fizzling out. That it will always feel like a lesser product. That initial morbid curiosity will quickly fade. Let's let the free market decide, or at least decide as much as can be decided when an unlimited hose of money is available to mitigate what is sure to be tremendous losses. Fast forward in your mind a few years and try to imagine a robust and exhilarating live golf weekend where the sport's boldest names are happy with their decision to succeed from a previously productive union. It is very hard to do so. Far more likely is that the already splintered masses will continue to splinter as more and more realize that they have better things to do than log onto a website and watch a second golf league that's not as good as the other one. Remember when the new and improved USFL launched to great fanfare and buzz? That was less than two months ago. Two. They had about two weeks where people tuned in to see what the deal was, and then they left forever. No one is going to the games, and no one is watching on television. And that's exactly what my crystal ball forecasts for live. Right now, they lack media partners with reach. They lack a television partner. Perspective partners need look no further than the USFL for evidence of the risk. 
throw in tremendous volatility and an inherent culture war, and you have a stew of uncertainty. Maybe I'm wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. Perhaps Liv is on the first tee box of a round that will shock and awe and forever change the balance of power. Even if it's not my cup of tea, I won't begrudge them and their success if they are providing a product that people genuinely enjoy and find enriching. But there are many bunkers and hazards in the way to posting their desired score. Support Live Golf if you wish. Consume its offerings with gusto. Evangelize because you're going to need to evangelize. You'll either be on the cutting edge or be forced to pivot into some sort of ironic fandom. Some contrarian play to show how interesting you are, even if it's pretty lonely over in the live chat. Collect those bona fides like NFTs. Just be prepared for a bleak market when it's time to sell. In 1543, Polish mathematician and astronomer Nicholas Copernicus published his theory of a heliocentric universe in which the Earth and other celestial objects revolve around the sun. It was met with great skepticism, but eventually gained traction and became the base for understanding the science of life. 479 years later, the term is having a poetic renaissance. Anyone who consumes NBA-centric content has noticed the proliferation of the phrase this season to explain offensive structures built around a singular star, in which Luka Doncic or James Harden is the mooring force providing heat and light to everyone else on the court. It is a nice artistic flourish and drives the point home in terms that can be universally understood. And its use is only exploding in popularity as more and more people hear the term and co-opt it into their own scholarly work, breaking down the game. Witness J.J. Reddick on this morning's Get Up, expertly using the illustration. Is Steph Curry starting to take over this series right now? Well, I think Steph's being Steph, and what Steph does is he puts constant pressure on your defense, whether that's in pick and rolls, off of switches with dribble penetration, off of all of his ball movement. And as you saw earlier in that clip in the first half, in transition, they've had a problem finding him and picking him up early enough, and he's knocking down those threes. Look, I say this all the time. We, we collectively, we live in a heliocentric solar system. The Warriors live in a Steph Curry system. <laughs> the big words, I love it. System. Like everything <laughs> orbits around Steph. Draymond is spot on in his comments there. Yeah, CJ, what are you seeing out of Steph? If only Copernicus were alive to see what he'd created. One has to think he'd enjoy his seamless crossover from astronomy to sports and pop culture. Very few people have been able to pull that off. Though, Blaise Pascal came close when Phil Jackson's teams were winning title after title with the triangle offense. Google Copernicus and tell me he wouldn't have loved ball. You can't. If he were alive today, He'd be listening to basketball podcast after basketball podcast while riding the L train in from Brooklyn. Heliocentric is having a moment, nearly five centuries in the making. Through revolutionary foresight and an endless stable of creative innovators, SportsCenter transformed the way sports fans consume news, gather information, and it made the world smaller. And while the highlights themselves have always been the lifeblood, the personalities delivering them serve as the heart to keep the life coursing through veins. Attempting to determine which of the hundreds of SportsCenter hosts have been the best is an impossible task. 
Viewers have differing tastes and mileage will vary. Despite these pitfalls, we gave it a try anyway. Longevity, star power, innovation, and a certain je ne sais quoi were weighed in the decision. Our apologies to the snubs. Remember that those who can't do judge those who can. Number 15, Sage Steel. Steele and Kevin Nagandi turned the 6 p.m. Sports Center around ratings-wise. She excels at no-nonsense pregame and breaking news. There have been significant bumps in the road recently, yet she remains a staple at noon. 14. John Anderson. Anderson is workmanlike in the best ways. Steady. A rock. He doesn't have to go out of his way to get a laugh or use a particularly clever line. And sometimes... Like in the case of Fear the Deer, he isn't immediately credited for nailing it. For 23 years, he's been showing up and getting the job done. Tough to outdo his star turn on Wipeout, but that's how good he's been. 13. Robin Roberts Roberts was part of the 6 p.m. Sports Center with Charlie Steiner and Bob Lee, which is pretty remarkable in retrospect. She was polished and had gravitas from the beginning, and it's no surprise that she transitioned into news at the highest levels with ABC. Her ability to connect with people, both in person and through the television, is elite. Number 12, John Buchigross. What Wynn Butler is to Arcade Fire, Buchigross is to the late sports center, in an era when it was allowed to stretch its legs. He shines in freeform conversation as incredibly comfortable away from the desk, whether it be a bit with Barry Melrose or setting up an analyst at a touchscreen. Number 11, Charlie Steiner. Another testament to versatility. After providing some of the funniest on-air moments of the show's history, Steiner left for greener pastures and became one of the finest baseball announcers working the game today. His SC ride dovetailed with the program's ascension. 10, Kenny Mayne. There are countless ways to get from point A to point B. In sports center terms, that means showing those what happened in sports. Maine has never been afraid to take every damn one of them. It's a joy to watch him perform his own type of rebellion in a suit behind a desk. It's a wild, unpredictable ride audiences have enjoyed since the late 1990s. Nine, Steve Levy. His coworkers are quick to praise him for his selfless approach, the ultimate team player. Levy has quietly put together an incredibly successful and influential career at the Worldwide Leader. Serving as SC host following a major event is one of the regular feathers in his cap. The show is always in capable hands when he's on the call sheet. Eight, Rich Eisen, the smoothest to ever do it. Few broadcasters have succeeded in making the chaotic job look easier. Eisen was a dynamo in his seven years at ESPN, equally skilled in comedic references and serious tone. The job of an SC anchor changed greatly during his time there, and precipitated his departure to NFL Network. Things worked out. Seven, Scott Van Pelt. Van Pelt has always been fantastic, and his reimagining of the Midnight Sports Center proves the show still has cultural currency in capable hands. He's able to tap into those old school sentimentalities and fuse it with a thorough understanding of what works. His essays are poignant and resonate, and he's usually at his best when he's unabashedly human. Six and five, Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann. It's only right that the big show creators check in together. The best duo in Sports Center history in terms of playing off each other. 
Patrick, straight out of central casting and even keeled, was the perfect complement to Olbermann, who many consider to be the best writer to ever work at ESPN. The two made beautiful music together, though it wasn't always smooth. To watch was to feel the electricity in the air. Four, Linda Cohn. This is her 30th year anchoring, and she hasn't lost her fastball. She approaches each one like it's her first, and that effort shows. The longest tenured anchor has infectious energy and isn't afraid of a subtle bite or dig. No one has ever done hockey highlights with more gusto. Cohn is another person who has become an ESPN institution without great fanfare, and she belongs in the top five. Three, Bob Lee. Sports Center's halcyon days came before highlights were readily available. Well, the pictures provided evidence, it was essential to have an anchor with gravitas, one worthy of public trust, one whose word could be taken to heart. Lay, who was with the network since the very beginning, was the voice of God, the conscious of ESPN. What people fail to realize is that the no-frills style can be harder than the flashier approach. It just means the foundation must be that much more solid. Lee is on the firmest of ground as an anchor, as with everything else. Two, Chris Berman. He is ESPN. The nicknames, the catchphrases, the unabashed desire to have fun. For so many years, sportscasters all over the world tried to do a Berman impression. He was often imitated and never replicated. He built a template, though, for others to build upon. There was nothing like tuning in and seeing that it was a Berman episode. That was the big time. One, Stuart Scott. It takes a special talent to do what Scott did. It's not easy to come into an existing and powerful entity at the top of its game and transform it into something different and even better. His revolutionary way of approaching the job and style made SportsCenter's tent that much bigger. And while so much has been rightly made of his artistic flourishes, the thing about Scott that was so amazing was his straight news chops. He could pivot from fun to somber at the drop of a hat and expertly navigate both spaces.